Hello and welcome. Jamie Tatino here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the next episode of Learn, Grow, Do, Repeat. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, this episode is going to be just as incredible as every other past episode we've done. Uh, and for me, this when I launched this podcast you know, back in, in late 2017, uh, I never envisioned it becoming the thing that it is now. And we've had some incredible guests and I've had some incredible fun with a lot of the amazing people we've had on here. And I'd actually also encourage you to do so, is to go back to my, my website and listen to the past episodes, listen to the people's stories, listen to the amazing content that we've been able to get from them. Because Welcome to the next episode, Learn, Grow, Do, Repeat with Jamie Tatino. We have an amazing guest on today, a really good friend of mine, someone I've had the opportunity to work with over the last two Two and a half Something years like that. around that, uh, that period of time. Uh, he has a decade of experience working with and helping people through trauma at all levels. Also one of the highest regarded C-suite leadership experts of the 21st century. We have none other than Mr. Matthew Church. Welcome, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, exciting, exciting, exciting. Thanks for making the time uh, to be here and uh, for the guests as well. We're going to get straight into rapid fire. Well, so, is, it, is, it, is it weird that my heart's beating very fast? <laughs> I'm ready. My heart is beating He's very ready. fast. Here we go, here we go. Right. Favourite song right now? Uh, Favourite song right now? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up because I didn't oh. come prepared. Hang on. He's going to uh, sing I, it for us too. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, that, that's a bad idea for your audience numbers if that was the case. Oh, Moon Rabbit by Cloud Control. Moon Rabbit. Let me just write that down. Mm. I'm creating a playlist of like people's favourite songs. That's awesome. Moon Rabbit. Favourite song to get pumped up to? Uh, you know what I want to say, but it's not what I'm going to say. <laughs> Inside joke. Inside um, joke. Favourite song to get pumped up to would be... Um, uh, ba, 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 ba. Oh, um, Alive by Sia. Alive by Sia. Favourite movie? Um, oh, man, these are tough. Favourite movie... Schindler's List. Okay. Favorite book? Uh, oh, the book thief, Marcus Zusak. The book thief. The book thief. Okay. Your go-to meal? Uh, oh, spaghetti bolognese. Slow Spag- cooked, eight hours. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Wow, there yeah. it is, guys. Favorite TV show? The, I like that. That was the answer. That's the only <laughs> answer. If, if Jamie's editing anything in this, editing out my pauses, that's the only question so far that hasn't had like a forty-five second pause. What was that last one? Uh, favorite TV show. Favorite TV show. Um, Blacklist. The Blacklist, okay. Your biggest celebrity slash sporting idol growing up? Uh, oh, oh, growing up? Um, Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. Can I ask why? Um, I, so, it's which is like re- resonant with what we're going to be talking about, <laughs> but I, I, I became... <laughs> I became... I, I grew up. Uh, as she got into music and seeing her journey of like going from two dimensional what record labels wanted mm, her to be mm. to, to being herself, the was real extraordinary. Her. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Okay. One thing you hate or dislike? Can't say coriander. <laughs> uh, one thing I hate or dislike uh, doesn't have to be a food either. No. So I was like, what's my no? It would be coriander. But no, <laughs> it's not. Uh, one thing I hate or dislike? Dishonesty. Dishonesty. Okay. Funniest or craziest thing you have done? Mm, funniest or craziest thing I've Keeping done. in mind, this will go public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm self-editing, um, but I also just said just dis- out. I, no, I also just no. said dishonesty is my least favorite thing, so I'm really choosing my mouth carefully. Um, oh, I mean, as a as a kid, I was walking along a uh, balcony of a, a friend's house who was renovating, and uh, I was chatting, 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 
and then I continued walking. She said stop. I thought she meant stop talking, so I stopped talking, kept walking. She meant stop talking. I walked off the end of the balcony that had no balustrade. Oh, wow. How high? Oh, it was only a story. It only a story. So, you know, just four metres or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only four metres. Well, I mean, if you you don't know me, I'm two metres tall, so I made (laughs) made up. It was just a step down. To be fair, I wasn't two metres tall when I was 12. I was going to say, lucky we uh, established that. Uh, Book or audio book? Oh, so audiobook for non-fiction, book for fiction. Okay. I know okay. that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Summer or winter? Winter. Summer your mindset in one word. Transparency. Okay. Proudest moment personally and then in business? Uh, proudest moment personally was... Proudest moment personally was the first time I signed my when I signed my first client and I okay. will pick something different. I know that's business, but it was my proudest moment personally. Um, proudest moment in business. It's a, it's a weird one actually. I did a, a keynote for a, a company in Melbourne where, uh, which was I, I can say this because I'm just trying to filter out confidentiality. Was yeah. the financial services? Yeah. Um, they asked me to come in and do a speech on trust. Yeah. Um, with their senior leadership team. And it was just after the Royal Commission into Financial Services was announced. Mm. And so I came in and there were you know, bankers, investment bankers, merchant bankers, yep. lots of people in finance. And um, just so fucking armoured up because... They in, were. They were. Yeah. Because in their world, the world, the, Australia was coming to attack yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was booked for an hour. Um, they asked me, we did an hour. We got maybe 20% of the way through we needed to go because we were unlocking this conversation around... Um, uh, vulnerability and transparency mm, mm, and mm. Um, acknowledging who the industry had been and how they weren't the industry. So uh, after an hour, they asked me to stay for another hour. Then after that hour, they asked me to stay for another two hours. Oh, yeah. Then they asked me to come back the next day. Um, and I think it's my most proudest moment. One, because it's the first time I've ever been like extended as yeah. a speaker. Um, and I was <laughs> lucky sure. I didn't have anything booked. It's one of those sad moments when they're like, uh, when you're you're in a you know Fortune 100 organisation and they're like, so you must be really busy for the rest of the day. And I'm like, oh, I have nothing for the rest of the day. And I'm like, oh, wait, I probably should brand myself a little better totally. than that. I love it. Um, but yeah, that I was extraordinary. It. Well done. I love it. Thank awesome, you. awesome, awesome. Tell us something that no one knows. Uh, I don't like people. Doesn't like people? No. Okay. No, I love humans. I don't like people. Okay. Okay, we can dive into that a little yeah, bit later. At some point, please ask me. I explain. will, I will, I will. Um, your greatest failure that ended up being your best lesson. Uh, so I joined a company four years ago, um, a millennial driven startup, um, which had an extraordinary, uh, value prop. Um, I joined as sort of their COO and ended up, it ended up that there was a lot happening in the back end that was uh, illegal that I had not picked up, but Mm. I should have picked up because Mm. that's what you do when you're a COO. (laughs) Um, and so I had to bail from that, but it taught me the importance of, um, doing due diligence, like, because mm. I'm always a fly by the seat of your pants person. Mm, mm, mm. Um, trust yourself and then run fast, but yep. it, it taught me the importance of due diligence. Yeah, there's got to be a little percentage of that. Yeah. That's a nice little mix you got to have. Yeah, and trust, yeah. And, and on the other side of that, trusting my gut too, because mm, when, mm. when I look back, I often, if I tell this story on stage, when I look back, I knew the whole time. I just didn't know that I knew the whole time. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. What was uh, 10 year old Matt like? Um, 10 year old Matt was uh, quiet. Um, very quiet, spent a lot of time observing the world um, and was super awkward, would, would tell, would like, um, 
find would watch people have something that they found funny. Yeah. So like they would find someone tripping over funny, like yeah. not cruel funny, but of funny, course, yeah, funny. Yeah. And so I would then go and try and replicate tripping over by looking like I was tripping over, knowing I didn't want to hurt myself. So people would think that I was looking like I was tripping over, and no one would laugh. So, <laughs> which extends very much into adulthood. But uh, yeah, that's ten year old. I love it. I love it. If you could choose one person in the world to have lunch with, two hour time limit, who would it be? Past or present, anyone? Yes, I was trying to pick, trying to pick the non uh, textbook answer, but I can't get away from it. Doctor Brene Brown. Okay, okay. What's one trait or quality you find in people in your social circle, like your immediate circle? Uh, Don't shy away from the truth, even when it hurts. Truth only. Truth only. Truth always. Truth only. Love it. Love it. So. Tell us a bit more, Matt, about how it all began for you, this journey. Um, you know, with over a decade experience now, and now being a, a leadership expert, like, that doesn't just happen. No. You know. Um, no, and yet it sort of sometimes feels like it just did. It just did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, you just landed in that space. Yeah, so I, I when I finished uh, high school, I went and started a law degree. Uh, so I'm from Cairns originally, in final Queensland. Um, and so when you grow up in Cairns, the thing you want to do as fast as possible is leave Cairns. Um, and in a way, you, you know, now it's a beautiful place to holiday, but oh my goodness, if you, you, you want to leave as fast as possible. Okay. Um, so moved to Melbourne and started a law degree because that's okay. what you do when you're from Cairns. You do one of two things. You're either a science geek and you go into medicine. Yeah. You're a not science geek. You go into law or you just cascade your way down there based on your marks. It's, it's very, it's very, it's in between regional and rural okay. in that way. Yeah. Um, you know, you, everyone wants to make their parents proud from there. So I picked law because I was not a science person. Science has made drug me, drug me nuts. <laughs> um, and I went and started a law degree, about six, which I loved. Um, but thank goodness I never did it okay. because I feel like I'd be a broken. I, I let me put it this way: probably thirty percent of my business is lawyers and accountants. So <laughs> in a way, it's you know, it's it's a warning not to go there for me. Absolutely. Um, so I about six seven months I uh, found. A place called the Coaching Institute in Melbourne, um, who are the biggest coaching school in Australia. I'd say the world based on numbers, but I'm not sure if they'd agree. So I'll say Australasia because that's what what they say they are. Um, Phenomenal school led by um, Sharon Pearson. Uh, I I met them through somebody I'd known. So I I went and I spoke with one of their course consultants and joined a very small course because I was interested in psychology and human behavior. And so from there, maybe two months after I joined their course, their student support head of student support reached out and said, hey, do you want to, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm studying a law degree. He said, do you want a job? And at that point, I was a seven-month-in, eight-month-in uni student. So the only answer to that question is yes, Absolutely. please. Yes, please. <laughs> Silly question. <laughs> so I started part-time in student support there. And then suddenly, six months later, I uh, wasn't at uni. I was full-time there. Um, I don't really know how that happened. I just kept <laughs> saying yes to the next, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to? Yeah, yeah. Um, rose up to being uh, one of their head trainers, operations manager there, Amazing. and learnt coaching, which you, and, and I think learnt what coaching isn't. And we can talk about, like, we can talk yeah, about coaching definitely. as a concept later on. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and, and found a love for working with, um, for working with trauma. You know, I think there is a real, uh, there's a epidemic of, uh, mental health challenges in our country and across mm, the world. Mm, mm. One of the challenges is that it is both complex and shame-driven to talk about the trauma that happens to us as children. Um, we can get into developmental trauma and mm. how to unshame it, but I've found a real love for that kind of work. And one of the things that you find 
as you continue down the road of thinking about childhood trauma is that the people most affected by it are usually the people who climb to the highest levels of performance mm, mm, because it's mm, a wonderful mm. way. Performing and hustling and being busy and getting shit done and loading ourselves up with responsibility is a wonderful way to avoid pain. Fantastic totally. way to do it. To does, the, does the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I was there for four or five years um, then moved on to starting to work in my own practice with my own clients. And from there, yeah. it's just been, it's been a journey of exploring the question of how do we, how do we bring ourselves closer to ourselves? How do we heal the parts of us that are, that aren't broken, but mm-hmm. are, that aren't integrated, that aren't whole or don't nice. feel whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how do we do that and still kick ass in life? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, everything you said there, it's funny how you, you just sort of mentioned like you almost did fall into it and it's gone yeah. so quickly. Because uh, it was an opportunity, you took it, mm. and then before you knew it, you were there almost full time, full time. Yes. Uh, and then thinking about what you just said as performers, like just because they are at the top, just because they're on TV, have images, have songs, whatever it is that they do, mm. it doesn't mean that they're still not human or had a past that could leave gaps, no, could no. be unknown to them, not, not have the answers, so to say. Totally. In fact, I, in my work, I found that there is a correlation between, like I work with the primary categories um, that I work with would be uh, business owners and entrepreneurs, yep. uh, leaders, so people in executive roles, um, actors or anyone in the performing arts, um, and then athletes. Those are the four major categories I find myself working with. Yep. There are others, but those are the main categories. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a correlation between people who seek out high performance and whatever that means to mm, them, mm. Um, seek out high performance and have have developmental trauma, which simply means developmental trauma is this. If, if our parents growing up uh, were not properly taught how to parent us, and I say that sarcastically without a sarcastic tone because yeah, no, yeah. no one is taught how to parent. Mm, 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 um, mm. You learn on the journey. Totally. Yeah, and yeah. in that learning, they're, they're, you know, our, our parents have their own shit that they're holding on to from their parents and so on and so on. We call that a, a tribal cycle. Um, we are inevitably between sort of the ages of zero and seven where we are completely helpless, completely helpless, completely vulnerable. We can't take care of ourselves. And so the way I often describe it is that, you know, when we're six or five, we aren't conscious that, say, our parent is shopping and cooking for us. Our parents are like an Old Testament God who just makes food happen. Mm, 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 and like mm. food just appears in front yeah, of us and we yeah. eat it because we need to. Yeah. You know, when we need milk, our mother is there. When we need um, water, that happens. And we don't have the cognitive... We're developing the frontal parts of our brain that can process logically, oh, they're doing that. Correct. But we can't know that at that age. Yeah, yeah. And so we we re- we are so reliant, and we forget this feeling as we grow up, we're so reliant on our parents for survival that we have to, and this is where developmental trauma starts, we have to see them as perfect. Because if they're not perfect, and this is, it's, it's the um, animal wiring of our brain, if our parent or caregiver you know, or magical big person uh, isn't perfect, then we're fucked. So our animal True. brain wires us Love to it. always see them as perfect. Now, Love the problem it. is, unfortunately, they are not. Correct. And so our animal brain, the structure of our reptile brain is set up so that if they're not perfect, we will instantly wire it to we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. So our parent... Um, our parent makes now that we're adults we can see when our parents swore at us that they couldn't control it but when we're six and our parent says oh for fuck's sake we are instantly wired to go what did I do I'm flawed mm, now we, mm, we will stack those moments in our parents imperfection we will keep stacking them until we get to adulthood but by the problem is by the time we get to adulthood we have these things called There's 18 years worth of 18 years worth of it and we have responsibilities and social pressures and all of the shame of that mm, and so what and, and so what we'll do is we'll bear it 
because now we're in this water slide, this like cascading snowball of I need to get a job, I need to prove myself, I need to go and get the degree, I need to go and make money, I need to... And by the time, you know, if you look at Australians now, I love it. Um, by the time we're 25, 26, it's like, when are you buying a house? So we go and get debt and we get like, we have all these things. There so is true. no fucking time yeah, to I tackle know. this trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I end up ha- what I end- people who end up seeing me are in their 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and they keep seeing the same problem show up in different parts in their life. So it's usually relationship breakdown. They can't sustain the career they want to sustain, uh, or they burn out. Those are the three major categories that pop up. And what what happens is you can't run from your trauma. So what happens is when we're (laughs) six and we we our parent swears at us and we go, Well, I must have done something wrong, we bury that in our identity, it becomes part of us. And until we go back and reparent ourselves, which we can talk about the process of, until we go back and heal ourselves, we will live in accordance with that identity unconsciously. So we will we will find the part of us that is fucked when we're six because we have to, and we will carry it with us into, say, as an example, our relationships, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you know, if, if our parents said, you know, in, in a moment of crisis where our parent didn't know what to do, they said, well, you know, shut up or be quiet. We will carry that be quiet into our relationship. Suddenly we're 45, we're married, we've got two kids, and we still have that part of our internal wiring saying don't speak. But instead of instead of that being functional, helping us survive when we were younger, what ends up happening is we don't tell the truth to our partner, we don't express our emotions, she or he gets frustrated because they know we, we can't, un, we, and we can't push through this. That's the problem. That's why performers end up coming to see me, is because we can't push through it. We have to go back and sit with it. And that's why we perform so, that's why performers so often um, experience this. Uh, that's why performers pursue performance to avoid experiencing the pain. Mm. Is because we can add more load. More load, more stuff, more things. Correct. But at some point there is always, always, and I've yet to be proven wrong by any client on this, there's always a breaking point. I, I love this, you know, already in the first 17 and a half minutes. Like it breaking... feels like it's been two. <laughs> exactly right. It's gone so quick. Um, but but I, I love the fact that, you know, we're from a very surface level helping them, like the listeners understand. You know, yeah. what's happening and like, you don't have to be a performer to have these problems you don't, you could just every single human being probably has some sort of something yes. there uh, whether they know it's trauma or not and I use the word performer I, I've chosen that word really specifically because I often say on stage the word performer for me is defined as anyone who utilises load so think of load or weight as um, usually it's responsibility okay. right and we use yep. this weight or load as a way to avoid the pain of, of our trauma. The best example I have is this. If, you, um, if you've ever had a headache, like a tension headache, and you've gone and gotten like a really deep massage in your neck, and like that shit hurts in your neck, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's suddenly like your pain in your head goes away, but it's actually just being replaced by the pain that the person's putting into mm-hmm. your neck. So when we talk mm-hmm. about a great massage, <laughs> all it is is that pain is... Pain's not inherent. Pain is the part of our is is a sense in our brain. So if I had a massive headache, but then I put my hand on a stove, my pain's going to go. Oh, that one's more important. Correct. Yeah. No so headache. <laughs> the headache's yeah. still there. Yeah. Yeah. We're just we we moved it to a bigger pain. Focus on something else. We yeah. do that in adulthood, and it's not just you know I yes you know I, I I mostly am working with people who are in performance that's linked to wealth or money. Okay. But that's yeah. just that's a that is a result of simply the privilege of having wealth and then you know at the end of the day I'm a business owner and you get paid so absolutely there are lots of people who can't can't go and afford those services totally um but performer parenting is an example of that mm, the mm, number mm. of people I work with if mm. I'm doing pro bono work mm. who have chosen children as their load so they have children earlier than they know they should have 
as a way of going, well, if I have the... Because the, the, the question we're all answering is, what do I have to achieve in the world to make whole or reconcile the part of me that still feels flawed? And the unfortunate answer to hack sort of what, will, what, what, what this interview will all be about, if I was to give the game away now, it's that nothing that we put out into the world, nothing we get, nothing we do, no amount of money, no amount of achievement, will ever, ever heal the part of us that at six years old decided unconsciously that we weren't enough in some way. We, the only way we can do that is to go back and heal ourselves. And then, and, but that is not for lack of most people trying. You know, they'll buy the house, they'll mm. have the kids. But that's what you think's right. Like, yeah, that's what, in a way, you're taught, or that's what you're shown. Like, that's what you believe to be the answer. Like, you don't know that. Oh, should I have to go back to that six-year-old me? You don't even know that six-year-old you had that incident. We can't know, and that's it. it gets so repressed and buried. The only the way we can the, the first thing is I would go, I always tell clients to work from a basis that there is developmental trauma mm, mm, always because mm, mm, mm. it's not big stuff. And this is the thing: developmental trauma and childhood abuse are two different things. You know, I, yes, I work with clients who have experienced extraordinary, and I mean extraordinary in the negative sense, um, sexual trauma, physical trauma, emotional trauma, spiritual trauma. You know, I worked with a client last year um, who'd been through a cult, like the extraordinary stuff. That's, that's childhood abuse. But developmental trauma is not the same thing. Developmental trauma is trauma associated with development. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. And it's simply, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. if, if our parents said, these are the ones I hear the most, our parents had the belief of, and it's not their fault, it's just how they mm, were brought up mm, and then mm, how their parents mm, were brought up. Mm, mm, Things like children should be seen and not heard. Mm, you know, um, don't talk to me like that, right? A great example in Australia is um, as children, especially the, the, the current sort of last two generations, many, 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 many young girls. So when you were a six-year-old girl, um, which you were not, but if a listener was, <laughs> and you were angry at some point at your dad for doing something. This is just a generalisation. Angry at your dad for doing something, you yelled at him. And he said, don't talk to me like that. You know, or you had your mum say something like, well, girls are meant to be nice. Mm. Or you had a teacher who said, girls don't yell. Mm. The same mm. is true for boys. The little boys can't cry. Mm. You know, don't mm. express your sadness. Mm. Mm. You've got to understand that in that moment, and this is where there's a level of forgiveness to self that's critical, um, in that moment, when we're five, six, seven, and we're told a little boy can't cry or a little girl can't be angry, that doesn't just become a thought. Like now as an adult, if I was to say to you, you know, don't be angry. Mm. As a as a fully grown woman listening to this, you can consciously go, fuck you. Correct. Or you can consciously go, I'm going to temper myself here mm. or whatever you decide. Mm. But as mm. a six-year-old, hear me when I say this, it had to be true for mm. you. Mm. So it became mm. true. Mm. And, in, and until we've gone back and healed that part of us, we're still going to be a 55-year-old with a part of us going, I can't cry or I can't be angry. I love it. I love it. That sort of ticks off the first topic, the inner journey. Yeah. Understanding, you know, where it all began how these little moments cre- are created uh and then the, the second thing that we spoke about that we wanted to really cover was you know not avoiding yeah that experience and like which we sort of did where you can't hide it like you, and you can't bury it no. you can't just put more load more weight buy more fancy things cars houses all that sort of fun stuff to bury it and understand the theme of the developmental trauma and i, I know that word trauma can come with it its own well i didn't have trauma it's just a word it has no inherent meaning mm-hmm. the developmental trauma whatever it was that you experienced can't be angry can't be sad can't cry um, should be quiet, shouldn't be so, shouldn't be such a girl or shouldn't be such a tomboy, whatever it was, it will show up everywhere in every load. For example, if you are a, a business owner, if, you've, if, the, if the load you've chosen is to go and run a business and start a team, chances are if you go and, go, if you go and ask yourself, what is the challenge that I experience most in my business? Let's say, for example, it's I can't grow a team that um, can run the business without me. 
that. So I can't grow a team that can run the business without me. I can't leave for more than a day without things falling to shit. Yeah. Just something I deal with a lot. Yeah. Chances are, if you really sit with it, and this would be a guess, but if, if I'm if I'm on the money, I don't know if there's a commenting function on these podcasts, <laughs> but share it. <laughs> yeah, because totally. I, 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 without being arrogant, I'm usually pretty on point about this stuff, is that if you really think about it, there'll be one of three reasons why, for example, you don't let your team... It's not, that, it's not that your team can't run the business, it's that you don't let them. One of them is you don't tell them the whole truth. And if you really look back into your childhood, there's probably somewhere that you learnt that telling the truth or speaking your truth wasn't okay or wasn't allowed. The second is that you have low trust. So it's not that they can't be trusted mm-hmm. to run the team, mm-hmm. it's that you don't trust them to let go. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and look at where your trust was taken advantage of. Or the third thing is you struggle to communicate proactively and so what you find is your team just keep blaming you for problems that happen in the business and if you really sit with it and you're kind with yourself you probably are the source of the problem you either communicate things too late you don't communicate them fully or when things are going well your instinct is to destabilize because things going well is scary to you and if you look back into your childhood you'll see it there it doesn't matter what load you pick the theme of why that load isn't sustainable for you will come back to to whatever you had to find true in childhood to survive. For for people that maybe have these feelings, don't actually until you know twenty four minutes ago, and as we've started, had a label for it or mm. had an understanding of wow, I didn't even know this existed. Mm. Like, I didn't even know that was part of the journey or the root cause all the way back then. How could they know, or how do they? find or how do they feel see hear experience that maybe there is something yeah that's a good question so the first thing is if there's if there when developmental trauma bakes in and what that means is it becomes an unconscious part of our psyche and we're not conscious of it what happens is as we get past sort of 18 19 20 which is the end of our uh, developmental period so when we hit 21 our identity value set is pretty baked in it can only be changed consciously right so once that uh, moment has passed, so if you're under 21, you still have time. Uh, if you're over 21, you still have time as well. It's just for a different reason. Um, what happens is once it's baked in, the the fears that were inherent and, and appeared when we were five, six, seven, eight form themselves in wanting to avoid emotion. And that's why we choose these external loads, businesses, relationships, um, performance, because we think that the result of getting that thing quote right, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see, <laughs> We think the result of getting the relationship right or doing the right thing or being a good business owner or being a good leader or getting a certain amount of money, we think that the outcome of those things will be to feel the feeling that we're afraid to tap into. I think mm-hmm. We think it will mm-hmm. give us pride mm-hmm. or give us trust or give us love, but it won't, right? It can't. Only we can. So the first thing is to be conscious of our emotions. Now, most Australians, and I'm saying Australians because we're in Australia, but this is most people in the Western world, have challenges, emotional challenges. They lack an emotional literacy. And it's because as children, we're not taught to, especially this generation, I'm hoping that our generation of people listening to this when you have children, I'm hoping that we will be the change of this. Let's make a shift, yeah. Totally. The first thing is, is that a lot of the time, emotions that we experience as children, so sadness, anger, um, grief, uh, frustration, any boundary, right, is usually repressed by our parents because they're afraid of it. So when we cry when we're eight, like our parents don't know how to deal with that. Their fear kicks in. They try and get us to stop crying rather than helping us lean into the sadness. Mm-hmm. So we learn that our emotions are not okay. So the first thing I would recommend to anybody listening is if you take a moment now, there's three layers to knowing what you feel. The first thing is just tap into a sensation. So for example, if I was to describe it, uh, 
right now I can feel like a tightness in my gut. That's a sensation. Because one thing that people, and this happens a lot in relationships, is that um, people will go, well, just tell me what you're feeling. And it'll be this like forced, like forced um, tell me how you're feeling. But mm-hmm. most of the time people don't know. And so they feel forced to language it. So firstly, just tap into a sensation. Like, do you feel your heart's beating fast? Are you conscious you're breathing shallowly? Are you conscious there's a tightness in your gut? The second thing is then label a feeling. Now, the difference between a feeling and an emotion is a feeling is your word for it, whereas an emotion is the word for it. So, for example, mm-hmm. your, your feeling might be pissed off. The emotion to that might be anger, mm. right? But it, 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 the, the, the feeling is a good bridge to the emotion. Like, I'm feeling black. I'm feeling heavy. I'm feeling whatever, right? Then spend some time with that feeling and go, well, what could the emotion be? Mm. And explore them. Because too too often we're quick to jump to emotion of like anger, whereas actually I go, well, actually I feel heavy. I'm actually not angry. I'm frustrated. Why am I frustrated? Because I'm feeling a bit sad about this. And that's a very kind way to get through to it. The more we language our emotional literacy and the more we get better at going, how am I actually feeling right now? the more we'll make decisions where we're responding to our environment, not reacting to mm, it. Mm. Would you suggest that someone has that conversation with themselves or is that something to do with someone? Is that a personal journey you go on? It's, it's definitely a personal journey. The best advice I have um, comes from a wonderful book called Ultimate You. Um, Ultimate You by Sharon Pearson, who um, runs the coaching institute that I started with, who I have no affiliation with, by the way. I'm not plugging, not, yes. plugging, not paid, none of that <laughs> stuff. Um, I just love the book. Is to go and get a, 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 what, what she calls a mirroring partner. Um, now, there's uh, some other uh, phenomenal authors on this, um, like John Bradshaw, for example, who talk about this, um, which is to go and get a mirroring partner. Now, a mirroring partner is somebody who can do this. You can share the emotion with them, and you can share the journey you've taken to get there. So I felt, I, I noticed this in me. I'm feeling a bit blah. I think the emotion is sadness. A mirroring partner is somebody who mirrors back what you said. I'm holding up two hands opposite mm. of each other. They can mirror back to you what you said and they're conscious of not bringing their own shit into it. So it sounds a little like this. I really hear you. Where do you think that comes from? And you have a safe, blank canvas to explore that emotion. Now this, I will say, when I teach this, and I want to validate listeners a little bit, when I teach this to 55-year-old COOs who've had five executive roles and make $450,000 a year, they give me a face like, are you fucking serious? Like, this is what my company's paying you to teach me? Like, where's that? And they're, and they're looking for, well, where's the, yeah. is the, can I have just like looking the for like hack? The can I, yeah, yeah. The, red, the, like the red or the blue pill that I Correct. can just take? Yeah, yeah. No. And this mm, is the, mm, the journey mm. is not speeding up. Because think it, think it this way. We've sped up our whole lives to avoid this. Speeding up more <laughs> to get through this will not help you. It can't. It's about slowing down. And the benefit like of this is you, like you cannot explore your childhood trauma in your head. You can't explore it by like sitting with your eyes shut and mm, going, what mm. happened to me? It is fucking buried. You can only go through it. It's like an onion for one of a you know, really <laughs> overused metaphor. You have to peel back the layers mm, of the mm, trauma of mm, now mm, to mm. get back to it. Because what will happen is you'll say to this person, it'll get to a point where you'll be able to say to this person because the trust built in that vulnerability to say, I'm actually feeling sad and, oh shit. I remember this moment or I, I think I remember this moment or I remember this feeling I think it happened when I was younger now you're clearing it now that's what a great coach does right that is there totally. a great soundboard but mm, you can mm. do it with a, a friend a partner the most important thing is that you trust them with confidentiality yeah. and, that, yeah. the, and that they do not try and fix your fucking problems yeah. 
I love what you said there as well, but they don't bring their own stuff onto it. Because mm-hmm. we've all got our journey. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be that mirroring partner, that soundboard, that person on, if you are going to do it for the other person as well, yeah. then you need to, in a way, okay, cool, I'm out of it now. It's your turn. Yes, and I, I'll, I'll say this because I see this a lot in interviews, is if, if, you're, if you're in a partnership, an intimate relationship, both listening to this, wanting to do this with each other, you can. Mm. It's important that as you do this together, this is a gift with purchase hint, because um, I, I get this question after almost every interview I do, is you can do this with each other, but each session of it is dedicated to one of you. Yeah. So it's not, um, I'm feeling this, me too. Yeah. That's not Mary. Yeah, so it's just, yeah. this is his, yeah, and then yeah. this is hers. Today is my turn, tomorrow is your turn. Yeah, or and whatever the, the whole be. job is to just go, tell me more. Tell me more. Mm, tell me mm, more. Mm, mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. So for someone that is, you know, on that business journey, mm-hmm. who's, you know, maybe feeling some sort of, things that are sensations kicking in for them and they're running a business is there a way for them like you said it will show up in any load that you have can we dive deeper into because there are a lot of business owners and and you know people that are on the journey of business that listen to this entrepreneurship that that are listening to the podcast for them how does it resonate back to their business like what sort of you know what does it do for their business so here's a couple of things it'll do i'll start with what it does for your business personally and then what it does commercially yeah because um, business owners are by far the clients that I work with the most. Um, so firstly, most business owners experience a low, le- constant low level, never-ending low level of anxiety, right? This buzz of like, uh, what if this happens? What if this goes wrong? Is there mm. cash flow this week? Mm. You know, am I, mm. am I going to be able to pay everyone next Monday or whatever it is? This constant level of anxiety. And so to avoid that, what business owners do, and a lot of, uh, a lot of business speakers promote this, is they run at 100% the whole time. I'm going to do everything at 100%. Um, and the reason they do that is not because everything needs their 100%. Right? So they'll do this team meeting at 100% of their energy. They'll do the emails at 100% of their energy. And the reason they're doing that is not because that thing calls for 100% of their energy. It's because they want to avoid the anxiety. What it does for you if you do this work, and I say this as a commitment from me, if you do this work, you'll be able to walk into a, a normal day of business and operate at 20, 30% of your energy and achieve 100% of the results. Because mm. understand, mm. like I'm doing this interview right now at 30%. Mm. Do you know, like I'm not pushing myself through it because I'm not needing to hide from anything. Now, does that mean like you, 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 please understand, you never get to this place of like fucking Gandhi wisdom. <laughs> like you're not going to be like, like 0.01 energy. Totally. Where it's, energy. Like, where it's just like, I, I mean, I can't just think into the mic and you learn stuff. That's not how you still got to put out. But, you won't, but the feedback I get most from the clients I work with is you won't get to the end of the day fucked mm. every single day mm. to use the language that I hear the most. Exhausted, out so of true. energy. And so then true. we get home and we're, we're tapping into, I use the example of we're tapping into the emotional overdraft, which is where it's like we're heading into the negative because our kids are at 100% and they want us. Our partner's at 100% and they want us. You know, Our parents call us. We've got to entertain that night. And we're just digging into energy we do not have. That's the biggest personal result. Commercially, here's the biggest thing that happens. When you can tap into your full emotional range, you'll be able to trust and communicate effectively. You're not running from anything. Now, what does that enable you to do? Mm, mm, One mm. of two things, depending on where you're at. If you're a sole trader, you will be able to increase your profit because you won't need as much much around you to, um, to feel happy. You'll be able to run this from wherever you are. You'll be able to run your business from whenever you are and you'll have that space. But if you've got a team and if you've got a team listener, if you've got a team, this will enable them to trust you, Mm. respect you 
and follow you more than you being the autocrat authority ever did, more than it ever could. When you can, con- con- when you've handled your own shit, what you what you stop doing, which I guarantee you are doing if you have a team and you're conscious of these feelings in you, is you just repress the anger. Your team fucks up something. You go, well, I can't be angry at them, which is not true. That's not true. Mm. That's just your childhood conditioning mm. kicking mm. in saying, don't be angry, right? That's not true. You can absolutely be angry at them. So you, you decide not to be angry at them until suddenly you're very angry at them because you've been repressing it. <laughs> and you yell or you get cruel or whatever that uh, repressed pattern is. And then you wonder why you have this churn of team or you've got a team who aren't telling you problems. That's the biggest one I see is mm. that mm. problems mm. only come to the surface when they're crises. And you go, well, why yeah, don't my team problem. communicate yeah. with me? It's no, you aren't wor- you aren't trusted enough to be communicated mm. a problem to. Why? Because you don't express the feeling when you feel it. You express it three days later when you can't control it. Mm. You, so many business owners come to me saying, I want to have a I want to have a business where I'm managed up to, like as in people manage up. And I have a real rule with my clients, and I say this in um, any speeches I give: stop telling your team to manage up to you. Your team will manage up to you when you earn their right mm. to be managed up to. When they'll manage up to you when you don't need to tell them to. Like to if you have to tell them to, then there's a problem. Because you look at if all they just naturally do it. And this is where no, no, that, no, that's okay. Um, this is where you see the businesses that are successful. The num- one of the number one indicators of this. Vern Harnish talks about this. Who wrote um, Rockefeller Habits? The number one thing that is an indicator of a business that will go well is problems are quickly. Oh, and Covey talks. Stephen Covey talks about this in the Speed of Trust. Is that problems are highlighted immediately when they're small. And the only thing that can enable that is when there is a leadership team and a management team in place who, who confidently tackle their emotional range. Because here's the, the, the hard part about learning this work is no matter how hard you try, you can't hide from it. Because mm. mm. the work yeah. doesn't give a fuck about you. Correct. And the more time you spend in it, in a way, the more stuff that comes up. Totally. The more, lo- the more load that you place on it, the more it's likely to spring up somewhere you don't expect yeah. it or yeah. frankly want it to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... For some people, you know, and I'm glad I'm just like I'm even me personally right now, and we're sort of saying this before about podcasts. Like the the interviewer, you know, asked yeah, yeah. the questions that they want. Like I'm getting so much out of this already for me personally. Um, so and I'm sure the listeners are too. And like, for me, going on this journey personally over the last three or four years, mm. um, you know, and having the, the opportunity to hang out with you a lot, I pick up these golden nuggets on how you're speaking, and then I've done a lot of this. I'm on the journey, obviously. Done a lot of the work me myself. Too. We always are, I guess. Yeah. Um, but to have these breakthroughs, it does hurt. Like it is not the easiest of things to say. I am going to spend half an hour on me. Yeah, an hour, two hours, a day, a week, whatever it but is. Understand that th- this is where it requires you. You know, when people talk about being an adult, I think it's a bullshit statement because most because like, what does that even fucking mean? <laughs> and where do, where's the checklist? If there's one skill that is an adult skill, it's going. Well, I'm not going to spend half an hour on me. That's the conditioning talking. Mm, mm. That is your trauma talking mm, to you. Mm, the mm. only adult responsibility you have to yourself, whether you are... My oldest client is like 75, <laughs> right? In definitely mid-70s, it. right? Um, big high net worth family, chairman of a family um, family trust. Yeah. All the way down to 22, 23, 24. The thing I, that is that is no matter how old you are, no matter what life experience you have, the only adult skill that every adult owes themselves like you have to take some responsibility for is going no I am going to take that half an hour yeah 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 because what comes out of that is it could be life changing in a way and for for lack of a 
like you said earlier, like a, a word that's thrown around a lot. Like it could actually be that half an hour you have with yourself in silence or with that mirror partner mm-hmm. could be life changing. Absolutely. And the number one thing I see in people who oh. utilize load to avoid the pain is that when the world gets quiet, they struggle. And unfortunately, it's not just when they're alone. It's when they're with their partner on a dinner date and they're fidgeting and they can't, they can't stop touching their phone, phone look, or they're yeah. overthinking what's happening over here and their partner's calling them out for not being present. Mm. Right? This mm. is where the number one uh, consequence of not doing this work is family breakdown. Family breakdown and family um, like needing family therapy, essentially. Um, family breakdown. Why? Because the world gets still when you're in your nuclear family unit when you're with your kids or when you're with your partner. And unfortunately, if we're not doing this work, we struggle to be present to it. Because you can't be, mm. you can't love at 100% intensity. You know, you actually <laughs> get closer to love the closer you get to 0% intensity. Yeah, yeah. And you don't overthink it and put all these crazy tags on it. Totally. And try and make it something. Mm. I think one of my early learnings of, you know, back when I started the whole self-development thing was mm-hmm. be okay in silence. Like, yeah. you don't have to always talk. Mm. And sometimes I love I love going to like the friends' dinners and everyone's like catching up and hanging out and I I love those moments moments of silence mm. where it's like I'm there having a little game where I can sit here all day doing mm. this but I just love to see who's going to say something next and what do they say where do they go what angle do they come at it with mm. uh, because that you know opens up for me looking at them like where are they at mm. that time you know can they just sit here in silence I can I can drive for an hour in silence with someone in the car yeah all good you know but again that just takes time. You've got yeah. to go through that journey yourself. And it's it's being okay. This is where the mirroring partner is a good bridge to that. Mm. It's why mm. a lot of, you know, when I say to a lot of uh, business owners, performers, you should meditate or you should spend mm. time in silence. The reason we're so quick to find great excuses why it's a bullshit thing is because we're deeply afraid of it. Mm. The mirroring partner is mm. a good bridge because it's not silence. Good starting place. But it yeah. is, it's a blank canvas. Yeah, nice. Because what we, what we do well when we've got a lot of shit we're not tackling, when we're not experiencing our emotions, is we... We actually surround ourselves with drama. This is why a lot of relationships break down, a lot of businesses mm. don't go well, you've got an executive team that aren't performing, um, or you've got a team that aren't performing. It's because in our own inability to be still, the only way to drown out the noise is with more noise. So we'll pursue drama. So we'll hire people who are dramatic. We'll date people who are dramatic. We'll produce dramaticness in our kids, which takes, which gives them the developmental trauma. So we're passing that on, go us. <laughs> Whereas when we're in our stillness, we can actually have the calm world we're seeking. This is great. This is great. So for, for someone that runs a business, you know, you always hear that sort of saying, you know, you sort of you cap your business at your own personal mm. journey. Is, do you have any tips, strategies on how they could unlock that to then allow their business to unlock and go to the next level and next potential of what it really could be? Yeah. So definitely doing the mirror partner work. Yeah. The second thing I would do is start to... I'm going to give the like the answers I don't normally give because they're a bit intense for people, but I feel like we're there already. Um, I would, I would, if you have uh, alive parents, um, and if you don't, I, you can still do this with siblings if you have them, or if you don't have anybody from your nuclear family, spend the time with yourself. If you do have parents who are alive or a parent who's alive, go and ask about your childhood. Um, you actually asked a really interesting question: What was ten-year-old Matt like? Um, I would go and ask what was what was I like as a baby? What was I like when I could? Um, uh, talk and communicate so three four five what was I like when I first went to school and the reason you're doing that is because in that moment that's who you are when you're five or you're four and you can communicate effectively that's who you are now what that will do for you is it will give you a, a benchmark to compare the person you are now 
because most adults when they define themselves so I was to say who are you and it's one of the first questions I'll ask in a coaching session um, I'm a high performer I get you done um, I'm a great insert role so I'm a great father great mother great partner great business owner Label. great boss <laughs> insert role um, but if I was to ask and the question you asked before you know who are you, who were you at five and if you've done the work and you asked your parents about this or your siblings about this or people who knew you um, and you, one thing I will say, if you don't have people from your nuclear family, you'll know people who met you. Mm-hmm, It'd mm-hmm. be odd if no one had ever met you at four or five. Um, you'll hear kind, patient, um, funny, um, cute, shy. Like you'll hear words that are actually who you are. Now, the question then becomes, and this is the work that's required. Unfortunately, this is deep work, not shallow work. So you can't do this in a 15-minute block between emails. You know, you can't do this in... You know, half a day seminar. Yeah, like it's it totally work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're asking the question: What was it that happened to me that took me from being this pure person to denying those traits? And a lot of business owners, uh, I use business owners because it's the primary audience of this podcast. Um, you know, a lot of business owners will produce a world where they don't have to be any of those things. They don't have to be shy. They don't have to be outspoken. They don't have to be, you know. Um, Empathetic, you know, a lot of um, a lot of my clients who are men, if they go back and talk to their um, parents or they talk to people who knew them when they were four or five, it's that they cried a lot and they were very empathetic. When mum was sad, when dad was sad, like they were there and they were cuddly, and they've lost that. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what happened to us? Now that's a hard question for people who go into any level of performance because we've gone into that level of performance to be an over responsibility taker. That helps us avoid pain. I'm just going to take responsibility for everything. Um, now, the problem is that it's not what we... We have to find the kindness of ourselves. It's not what we did. Because, again, that's the trauma talking. It's what happened to us. And it doesn't have to be something big. And we don't have to go into blame. It's not like yeah, parents yeah. fucking did this. Yeah, 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 it's about yeah. going, wow, I was told... And it's not about remembering an exact moment. It's about trusting the instinct. It's, wow, I was told that I wasn't allowed to be angry. Or I was told to stop crying. Or I was told boys were, girls are, don't be gay... Um, don't be a tomboy, whatever it was, and allow that to come up, and that's when you have to sit with, this is why it can't be done in 15 minutes, then you go sensation, feeling, emotion. So it's like, wow, I was told, you know, for me, one of the things I had to tackle was when I was quite young at school, one of the, I was very, what people defined as effeminate, but what I now see as kind kind of patient. But I grew up, if you were to ever watch recordings of me when I was, started this journey, I was a very hard mentor. You know, my father's like, I'd be the, the, um, there's a uh, mentor in the States called Dan Pena. No, in Scotland called Dan Pena. Yeah, no, right? Yeah, Very yeah. like that. Yeah. Like I would yell, which would be odd for you knowing me now. To <laughs> totally. Edit, I was edit. like, I don't see that. Totally. And I would yeah, I would like um, find the cruelest way yeah, to get yeah, someone through, yeah. through their trauma. Yeah. Um, and when I went back, I was like, fuck, I was told to not be gay. You know, don't be so gay. Yeah, and yeah. then I had to sit with, well, how do I, what's the sensation I have around that? And like the yearning to not to fit in. And then what's the feeling around that? Like I feel sad and then like that's when you'll unlock the feeling and you've got to follow it the minute we shut down our feeling the minute we go don't feel that and that's why you have to find the space for it in your life yeah and i don't mean um wait for the space to come to you i mean find it is once that feeling comes you've got to go with it because on the after this after that feeling i promise you you don't need fucking four years of therapy right what Mm. once once Mm. you get through the arc of that feeling it's done because what you've just done there and this is the this is something that we you know you and I when we teach coaching we yeah. do this over five days and a year of support but I'm Correct. giving you the entire course <laughs> right now um, is once you get through the arc of that feeling what you've done is you've gone back to you at that age and you've been the parent not that your parents should have been because they didn't know better 
but that they won't. You've gone back and reparented yourself. In that moment, instead of it being don't be gay when you were crying or don't be, don't be a bitch when you were angry or don't be such a tomboy when you were whatever, you've gone back and instead of being the person who said that thing that caused that traumatic moment, you've gone back and said it's okay. Like have that feeling. And the minute you reclaim the emotion, you reclaim the identity. And that's where if you go back and start to work out, you know, if, if, if you're a business owner going, mm, not sure about this, which by the way, skepticism is one of the most common things this work has with it because the skepticism is a protective mechanism. Totally. Skepticism is the biggest, <laughs> yeah. biggest protective mechanism ever because we get to be both powerful, authoritative, smart and not tackle the problem. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, that's normal. I encourage you to take a day. Like give me, if you've enjoyed the one time I made you laugh in this podcast, <laughs> then give me one day of it where you do this work, find two or three things that you can, you can see don't even go through the emotional part if you're still skeptical, but ask yourself the question. Of these three things that I was told as a child, assuming, uh, yes, I know that Matt's wrong and that I'm a skeptic and that this doesn't work at all, but if I'm going to give him an hour of time, where is this, where could this be showing up in my life? And if you find, what you'll find, not to skip ahead, what you'll find is that it's showing up. That, that thing that you're avoiding, that you were told wasn't okay, is showing up everywhere. The, the, the universe, and I'm not spiritual woo-woo. By universe, I mean the people in it, the results we want, the clients we work with, our partner, our kids, will always give us feedback and only give us feedback on the parts of us that we're traumatised, that we're repressing, that we're not going through. So if you go back and you find, gee, I was told that I was effeminate, and I'm not going to go through that feeling because that feeling's too hard, <laughs> but if you go, well, where is that showing up? Maybe you've got a high-staff turnover and people call you a hard-ass. Mm, mm. Maybe your partner tells you that you don't communicate at all lean into that I love it I love it I'm having my little mini breakthrough here it's mm. great it's just imagine what we're going through it's good it's, and it's, again we're giving good like, for me the big thing coming into this which we sort of chatted about was I wanted to actually give like real value Yeah. I didn't want it to be like a just a real overarching well this could be it and good luck with that yeah totally it's like well this could be it and if it is let's find out how it is and then how do we bury it down and just from here like, people can go away and do some serious work and I would suggest that you reach out to Matt if you've heard anything and you do give yourself that hour yeah. and you have that breakthrough or half a breakthrough or you have that moment where it's like wow something came up I'm not too sure reach out to him I'm sure you don't mind not I'm at just all. sort of under the bus not for thousands of people message you now I'm like shit fucking Jamie <laughs> 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 never um, ever turn away good no no absolutely exactly right exactly right um, so we covered trauma as a child how that sort of you know builds up to now we did cover some skills and some tips and some processes that people can use. Anything else you would add so far to, to sort of expo- like open up that idea of diving into it? Mm. Uh, you know, and, and because it, like you said, it isn't a 15 minute thing. No. It never, never was, never, never is, never can be. Mm. It's a journey that you have to go on as an individual. It could take a day for someone. It could take six months. Mm. Yeah, I, the most important thing, you know, you have to understand that we talk about this when we teach coaching. So when, when that moment happens where we're shut down as a child, so when we're told not to be something or not to do something, our maturity in that area, so for example, if we're told, if you're a little girl who was told not to be angry, your maturity in anger is frozen in time in that moment. We stop developing anger because to be angry is to be unsafe. And that, that unsafety we can't handle when we're a child. So we shut it down, which means we don't develop the anger over time, which is why if you look back, if you're someone who finds themselves um, 
getting going from zero to a hundred anger real fast. Like you find yourself snapping or being cruel. Um, and I don't mean cruel consciously. I mean that like you say something and you don't mean it, but you do say it. Yeah. Um, or you yeah. find yourself yelling. Chances are it's because, and I mean this very respectfully, you are still six years old in your anger. Mm. And that's mm. what a six-year-old does. Mm. They snap, mm. they say cool things. I remember mm. going to my mum once and being like, um, this was when I was... And this is anger. You can tell that anger is one of the things I had to tackle because I was a twelve-year-old acting like a six-year-old. I remember that she'd said something, and so I went and unfriended her from Facebook. And that was the—I know you, Jamie's just laughed uh, mid-sip through coffee. It's cruel to say that mid-sip. Through. I love it. And I, it was that. It was, and I went and told her that. And I, I remember seeing her face fall, and I remember the internal dialogue. And this is me at twelve. This is not me as an adult. Going good, because the, because I can. And when I went back and did the work 10, 12 years later. Um, it was because I'd had I'd had a, um, a teacher, Brett teacher, who um, I was very outspoken, um, and she told me not to be such an angry little petulant child. Do you know? And I, I actually know if they were the words she said. And it's, when you go back and do this work, please understand it's not a it's not an exercise in historical accuracy. You're not writing your fucking memoir. <laughs> like it's not like. Yeah. But did she say petulant it's yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, about yeah. whatever the instinct is. Go with that. Yeah. And so yeah. when I healed that, like when, when you heal that wound you can then reparent and relearn that emotion functionally. Because I want to circle back to something I said before about it's not about not being angry with your team. Like when I like I have I have um, a team who I've worked with in, in many businesses who and the the result of doing the work with anger was that when I have a team member who, for example, forgets to send out an EDM for a launch, right? And so I'm expecting to bank 50, 60, 70 grand from a launch and I'm sitting at home or sitting on the, you know, in a meeting and I'm staring at my phone waiting for PayPal to start ding, ding, dinging and it's now 48 hours and there's no ding, ding, ding and I find out that nothing was sent. Functional anger is being like, that's not okay. Like, it's not okay for you to not take care of that. But it, what it doesn't do is I say nothing. I send a text being like, no launch. Person sends back, oh shit, sorry, I'm like, all good, which I don't mean. And then three days later, if something small happens, like they are five minutes late mm. and I'm like what the fuck yeah, you're always late like, yeah. that's, the, that's the consequence mm. especially in leadership which is where um, in corporate is probably where I do this work at scale the most that's where it shows up and that's where we lose good people because high performers in your team like if you want great team members they want to be held accountable for big fuck ups mm. and, mm. They, and mm. they want you to let mm. go of the little shit but in, in a culture where leaders have not done this work, it flips. They let big things go because the anger is too much. And then little things, they will take way too much of a way too much of a, an intense approach to. The more a leader does this work, leader meaning an executive or a business owner, the more you'll flip the tables and you can let go of like someone's two minutes late, who gives a fuck? And you can you can tackle when something goes wrong, you can actually hold people accountable. One thing I love here, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, as we mentioned, I've like got a regarded leader, a leadership expert nowadays mm. with teams. There's no like process. This is how you talk to someone. This is how you lead someone. It's actually going back to you. Yes, it's yeah. actually going back to the person. Like you can't, it, you can't smart goal your emotional literacy. Yeah, like, and I love that. Like it's not like here's three strategies to communicate better with someone. And understand if you're if you're listening to this going, I'd really like a leadership coach, and the thing you're wanting is I really want to know how to goal set. I really want to know how to plan mm, effectively. Mm. I know how to do that, but I'm not your guy, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, I I mm. you know whenever I go into a business, 
or a, or a corporate team or a division or a department or whatever, um, and they're like, so we want to do your work, but first, and then they, <laughs> then that leader will inevitably tell me all of the things that they do to avoid this work. They're like, we definitely want to do the emotional stuff, is what they always say. We definitely do the emotional stuff. I'm using air quotes, <laughs> but first, we really want to work on our execution. We want to yeah. work on our trust culture. We want to work on our ability to get shit done, and we want to work on our systems and planning. And I'm like, okay, so let's that flip that around. Let's totally <laughs> flip that around. It starts I love here. It. It starts with yeah, this work. Yeah, and yeah. this work, I promise you, mm. this work, and I can, I mean, you'll see it, in, I'm saying you as in Jamie, you can see it in yourself. You do this work, it solves the problems you created to avoid doing this work. Yeah, so yeah. if you have a, a low trust culture, you probably created that to avoid having to deal with any of your shit. You deal with it, you will fire the people who need to be fired. Mm, mm. You'll take the risks that need to be taken. You'll allow your team to innovate and take risks. And suddenly you'll have this high-trust culture and you didn't need to go through a fucking 10-step process to do it. <laughs> you can tell, by the way, if, you, if you're thinking, I would like to work with Matt, just know I don't ever not be this, as Jamie can probably attest. It I ends up it. getting to this eventually. But it's, it's what, in a way, it's what you're here for. It's what someone's here for. It's like they, they, they came for a result. Like they came to get an outcome. Yes. They didn't come to hear a beautiful story. It's mm. like, let's get to it. And emotions aren't, this is where, I, I like, I, I have a huge respect for the self-development world. I've been a part of it for, um, coming up, well, just past a decade now. Uh, the number one thing that I struggle with with the self-development, personal development world is that emotions aren't an idea, they're a living organism. They're like, um, like anger is, like, uh, I always use the metaphor, it's an odd metaphor, that each of your emotions is a puppy. And, like, if, if, your, if your anger puppy came and, like, was barking at you, and you like you wouldn't be like shut up, shut up, shut up. You'd be like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't do that with ourselves. We're not like I'm angry. We don't go like we go stop it, don't do mm, that. Mm. But if and take puppy and replace it with child. If you're a parent, if you had all of these children or like five year old children, these cute little kids, and all of them were your emotions, and anger knocked on the door and said like I'm really pissed off. You wouldn't be like fuck off, I'm busy. You'd be like whoa, what's going on? Totally. We have to do that with ourselves. I like that. It's a great metaphor and a way to, a good way to think about it. You know. Because each of the emotions mm. play a part, and and it, mm. a bit like complementary colors on a color wheel, where the opposite colors pair well. Yeah, yeah. Where if we repress an emotion, its opposite emotion will be suppressed. So when we repress anger, for example, um, sadness becomes impossible, right? Um, and I mean functional sadness. So when we can't be angry, we just cry all the time because we can't feel the sadness, mm. so we just go through it the whole time, mm. right? Mm. Or when we, if we suppress um, disappointment we will not experience happiness. We have to go through an emotion to get the full range of our emotional ability. I love it. I love it. This has been incredible. Uh, if someone's listening and they're like, okay, cool, like, I've listened to this episode three, four times. We spent most people, I get a lot of messages. People are like, I've li- I listened to I'm that. I'm sick of his voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm going more, but I need more of his voice or, or need to learn more about what Matt's talking about. Where can people go to either learn more about it or just get help if they think that they need so um, you can visit me at my website, which is mm. www.matthewchurch with two T's, matthewchurch.com.au. Um, otherwise, if you search Matthew Church on Facebook, I'm sure there'll be a photo of me associated with this. Um, I'm <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. personable, meaning that uh, I don't like to connect through uh, like a page with four social media stars. <laughs> so you can find me on Facebook, add yeah. me as a friend. Uh, yeah, that's where I sure. that's where I put out a lot yeah. of the work, writing, ideas, and provocations that I'm currently nice, thinking. Nice, about. yeah, definitely. I would, I'd encourage you all to do that. Matt, what's what's one thing, especially in this space, that you learned that blew you away? Uh, that you have to go deeper and slower 
to get faster and better results. The slower I am, the deeper I go, the better I achieve, and the faster it happens. I like it. Sort of complete opposite of what you should, like, you're taught. Mm. And how I most like businesses in, a, yeah. in, in the Western world are run. I like it. I like it. What would you say your top three habits, like, to allow you to do what you do so well? Because all bullshit aside, right? Mm. You're fucking really good at what you do. Thank you. You know, you really, you have this knowledge because you put the time, energy, and effort into learning it. It's not just here. Mm. It wasn't just inserted into your head. But what allows you to do that? Like, what, what, why you? So, so what, what are the habits that allow that to enable yeah. that? So, number one is when I think it, I share it appropriately. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. If something pops into my head, including an emotion, right? Because once you get good at this, the, the sensation will quickly become what was that? That's the joy of the work is you go, oh, I'm feeling something. What am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, I say it appropriately, meaning that if it's appropriate to say to the person who is causing that feeling, I say it to them. If it's not, then I will say it to um, a, my partner. I'll say it to a mirroring buddy. I'll say it to a friend. But I will get it out of my head. I will get it out into the world like a living organism so I can tackle it. That's number one. When I think it or it pops into my universe, I share it with others. Um, a problem, a problem shared is a problem halved. I don't know who originally said that, but I really, I take that, I take that very seriously. Um, the second habit is, and these are actually pulled from the conversation we've had, but I want to highlight that these, I'm not just summarising. This is the work I do. There's no, and also I get up at four thirty and have a green smoothie. Like it's not, <laughs> and that enables me to do this. Like this no. is the work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the second thing is, I take very seriously the amount of energy that I have available to me and I prioritise me first in that. So I ask myself, like, am I? how much of my spaciousness, my life is required right now? And then I, I assess that against and how is it giving to me? And I, I make sure that I show up in an appropriate... Like, and I, I say it very respectfully, I'm, I'm only really showing up 20 30% mm, on this podcast. I'm giving 100%, but I'm not... I'm not I'm not burning myself out mm, to spend this mm, time. Mm, do you know? Mm, so mm. I take that very seriously. I prioritize me first. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing would be, and this is a non, it's not related to the emotional stuff, but they, they're inherently interconnected, as you know, um, is that I prioritize my physical health. Mm, mm, and mm. like, you know, if you look at me, I am, I'm six foot four, I'm lanky as fuck. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not the person, prioritizing health to me doesn't mean working out and lifting heavy things every single day. And if it does for you, that's awesome. It's right. not It's not about shaming anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, the biggest things are I sleep well, I hydrate well, I try and fuel my body with food that it needs, and I move. Because you, you are capped in how you can tackle this work based on what your body can sustain. Because emotion is friction. So if you're going through the sadness or the anger or the whatever and you're having to tackle that emotion, if, it's like friction and heat in your body. And if you imagine that like a um, like an engine in a car, if you don't have a, a, a well-tuned engine with mm, oil and everything mm, that mm, it mm. needs, eventually you'll just burn out. So you, they, they go inherently together. Similarly, if you don't tackle this work, it will take it out on your body. So they're, they're inherently linked. Mm, Those would be my like three it. things. I like the fact that you, know, you said it's physical health and how you sleep and how you drink, how you eat to give you that energy. Mm-hmm which you're then very serious about where you use that energy. Well, I think about it is my body's, awesome. a, my body's a living organism, yeah. my emotions are a living organism, but they, they work together yeah. to build my totally. life. Totally, totally. Do you remember a moment where you're like, 
I love this shit. I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to do this. Yeah, I do. Um, I was walking through my apartment. I'm trying to think which one. It was in South Melbourne. So it's been, yeah, Albert Road. Um, so this would have been 2015. Um, I was, I'd been working with one of my first ever sort of corporate clients. Um, so uh, I'd been brought into a telecommunications company into their CIO division, which is Chief Information Officer, which are all the data people. Right, they're the people who make the technology work in a telecommunications company. So you can imagine that, the, you know, when I came in and said, I'm the emotional literacy guy, they were like, oh, you know, people would, people would uh, avoid me as much as possible. Totally. It's like, so what's the app for that? Um, and I'd been chatting with uh, one of the senior team leaders, so one of the divisional heads. We'd been doing coaching for maybe two or three months, which for me, that's six, seven sessions. Um, and uh, this happens a lot. I was giving you another example of this before. We were about probably our eighth session in and we were just talking through an emotion that they were going through so um we tackled um for for we won't talk about the details of this but for those of you listening if you tap into any of my work um you'll you'll see that there is an there's emotional interconnectedness and what that means is that an emotion as a simple example an emotion like anger is always without exception a safety mechanism for sadness right so you can work through emotions in a linear fashion to get through to what it's really about always so we tackled anger we were working through sadness we met at eight session um this team leader or divisional head would have been 55 um and we got through to probably halfway through the session we were tackling the sadness and she stopped talking for a moment i was like you're still there because we're on the phone she was like yeah and i was like what just happened and she said to me i think i was molested by my dad and i was like tell me about it and she did and it was like um that, that they'd lived 30, no, 50-something, so it would have been 40, 40-something years not remembering that that had happened to them and having them having that impact their life the whole time without them knowing and then to be able to help that person. And I'm not doing anything. I understand that if you know when we talk about coaching, I'm not doing anything to that person. I'm not taking the load of it. I'm not dealing. I'm not fixing it because they're not broken. But to have that person simply reclaim their history, I was like, and and, and to see then the, the, the commercial aspect of that and the way the team came around her um, and all of those things, um, it really demonstrated to me that there is nothing. I'm a big believer if you're in a, if you're in a business or a team, you're a team leader of having structure and systems and mechanics, but nothing can outdo this work in 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 you finding a piece. And balance in your life so that and to sort of as a closing thought mm. it's that you'll know that this work has worked when you primarily define yourself as a person rather than a business owner actor athlete when that label becomes part of who you are and not who you are that's where you'll get the real benefit of all this i like it i like it one of the last questions here because I can guarantee the listeners oh. are going to have to back up on on go back over the entire thing and listen to it again and again. When it, I listen, I, I, for anyone listening, when I listen to podcasts, I walk through the street and I have a conversation out loud with two people. <laughs> so there's nothing you can do that's not as weird as what I do. I Neighbors and children fear me. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What was one thing that someone said to you that really stuck with you, and maybe it's a, something that you go back on to, to draw energy, focus, whatever that might be for you. Uh, when I first started at the Coaching Institute and um, 
uh, I was in student service, student support, so I was coaching the coaches. Yeah. And uh, I remember that the sales manager had missed something and um, had walked over to one of our junior receptionists. Sales manager would have been 45, epic, epic sales manager. Um, walked up to the receptionist uh, who processed enrollments, who would have been 21, 20. Um, and the 21-year-old, uh, the, the sales manager had missed something. And so the sales manager blew a gasket at this receptionist because something was missing. The, um, uh, and then when, as in that anger, she realised, fuck, I'd missed something. And the receptionist said, can you please not come up to me every time you miss something and make it my problem? The sales manager turned around and said, don't fucking talk to me like that. And I heard this voice from our CEO, Sharon's office, which was like, let her have her fucking anger. You fucked up. You are not a fuck up. Let her have her fucking anger, which if you, if you know SP at all or you've read any of her work, you'll know that that's exactly how she is. <laughs> and I remember it really stuck with me as it, 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 our roles don't matter. We're entirely entitled to our emotional experience. I like it. I like it. Matt, this has been awesome. Thanks so much thank for you. having me. No, thank you for being here and, and, and giving this incredible value. Like, you know, I've got tons of notes and as I always do, but this, this is a bit different. I've even just gone on the journey, like even backing it up in my time, in my head as you're talking and I'm sure the listeners are. Um, and I would definitely, you know, encourage you guys to, to reach out to Matt. Um, so you said website, matthewchurch.com.au, uh, social media as well, yeah. same, Matthew Church. Yes. Uh, any last words, any last share? Um, you're not broken. You're, no one's broken. What's happened is we've just misplaced the parts of us that feel whole. Um, and if you do this work, thank you, because you're 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 making a difference to you, but yeah. you're you're changing yeah. the world through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love that, love that, Matt. Thank you so much, man. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. so much for having me, uh, guys. Enjoy. Make sure you go and reach out to Matt. Uh, have a chat to him if if, if you really think that it's it's needed. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm yeah. As you can tell, a little bit speechless, but I'm actually loving it. Absolutely love what we've, what we've covered here because I know it's going to be real value to people, most importantly as well. So, uh, guys, enjoy. Thank you so much for listening in. Make sure you tune in for the next episode. Enjoy for now. Have a great, have a great day, and we will see you next time. Bye for now.